0: Texas brought in three commits on the first. Could July be the month they established themselves as a top 10 recruiting class in the 2024 rankings? You are Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On Longhorns, the show, Jonathan Davis, your host. Today's episode of Locked On Longhorns is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash Locked On today to get started. On today's episode of Locked On Longhorns, we are discussing the three commits on Saturday. Your three newest, Longhorns, Parker Livingstone, Jordan Johnson, Bill, and Alex January. Then we're talking about Josh Pate saying that Xavier Worthy could win the Heisman. I guess he could win the Heisman, but I'll tell you why he likely won't. And last but not least, the power of Twitter. Thousands of people gave their opinion on Steve Sarkeesian over the weekend. I'll read you some of the best responses. We discuss all of that and more on today's episode of Locked On Longhorns, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. So last week on one of my shorter but better episodes, we discussed the impact of Texas recruiting momentum right now and how their recruiting momentum far outweighed their recruiting ranking, which at that point was 47th on 24-7. And I made the mistake of coming on the show saying that we were 47th on 24-7 without mentioning the other sites, because I realized that, you know, people go to different sites for their information. So that's my fault. You know, there were a couple of people in the comments that were like, where'd you get 47 from, right? (laughs) You know, so currently after three commits on Saturday, we are 32nd on 24-7 16th on on three. That's a big discrepancy. And then 30th on rivals looking to make some more noise. Uh, Jordan Washington, three-star tight end out of Houston, Langham Creek High School will commit today. A lot of people feel like he'll commit to the Longhorn. So an opportunity for Texas to rise up a little bit higher in those rankings as well. But like I said, on Saturday, we brought in three commitments and Texas is starting to push towards that top 10 class. And I think eventually they will be top 10, possibly even top five in the overall rankings. And then somewhere in that metric in terms of the average player ranking as well, because we know that Texas will not only have one of the top ranked classes, but they'll have some of the better players in that class in 2024. Hopefully in Kobe Black, Ryan Wingo, and Colin Simmons, three five stars who would be really good at the four Yakers. But let's talk about the three players that pledged to play at the University of Texas on Saturday, starting with Parker Livingstone, one of my favorite players in this class. He just screams Texas. All right. If you saw his commitment video, it was so Texas from all of, you know, the little pictures of him as a kid, a little kid, wearing all of the ut gear he did a commitment video out on the water he had his whole family in texas gear it was just hilarious right he screams texas he was on his visit in a cowboy hat and a burnt orange car heart shirt or whatever it was like. He just screams Texas. He's going to be a really good player here. 6'3", 185. As I mentioned last week, he's a deep threat, right? And to play receiver in Steve Sarkeesian's system, you have to win down the field, right? And he's able to do that really well. Great speed, ran a 21.6 in the 200. If you watch his highlight tape, it's just straight deep balls and screens, right? It looks a lot like Isaiah Nayor at Wyoming, right? Nino from Nino's Corner Sports said that. And then Steven from Fanatics perspective said that as well in our chat, right? It just looks like Isaiah Nayor. everything's down the field. He's just dominant. And he's also a willing blocker, right? And we see that a lot with Jordan Whittington. That's a huge part of our offense, being able to block for the running backs on the outside, but also being able to block for the other receivers on those short routes, right? And you see that a lot on his tape, Parker Livingstone doing that. Um, Just a really gritty and willing blocker. Has reliable hands. You know, he's a hands catcher, not a body catcher, and can catch the ball in traffic. You'll see a couple of tough one-handed catches on his tape. He really goes out and gets the ball, contested catches, not just though catches in traffic, but the jump balls as well, right? The 50-50 balls or 75-25 balls, I like to call them, in favor of the offense, in favor of Parker Livingstone. Just a really good player and somebody that can win in a lot of ways, especially at his size, 6'3", 185. Would not be surprised if he's playing closer to 200 by the time he takes the field at Texas. And now your 2024 outlook in the wide receiver room looks as such. John Cook, DeAndre Moore, Ryan Niblett, Freddie DeBose Jr., Parker Livingstone, possibly Isaiah Nayor, and hopefully you're adding Ryan Wingo or Micah Hudson to that mix. Very confident in the 2024 receiving room. They should be very good in their first year in the SEC. The second commitment you brought in on Saturday, Jordan Johnson, Rubel, 5'10", 180. As I mentioned last week, he plays a lot bigger than that. Originally from Fort Worth, currently playing at IMG in Florida. Teammates with Jared Gibson, who committed to Texas on the official visit weekend. Coincidentally, right now, according to 24-7, right, your two highest commits in this class, both from IMG and Florida. And Jordan Johnson-Rubell is just a violent, small safety who plays a lot bigger Than what he's listed as versatile, can play multiple positions, right? He can play that safety position. He could play some corner if you need him to. Definitely can come down in the slot and play in the box or cover running backs and tight ends out of the backfield. He can play in the box or deep. So whether you need him at the one deep or the two deep safety position, or if you need him to play around the line of scrimmage to control the run game or possibly even blitz the quarterback, he can do that as well. A very smart and instinctual defender he's also a very physical hitter right don't let the 510 180 <laughs> don't get him messed up don't get it twisted right he will put you on your back and he can cover and man I think that's almost imperative nowadays in these passing offenses for a safety to be able to come down and play some man coverage as well. He can do that. So when you look at the 2024 outlook for the safety position, and I should have said this with the receivers, this is not including what they might do in the transfer portal. You have B.J. Allen, Warren Robertson, Larry Turner Gooden, Derek Williams, and Keaton Crawford, and Jordan Johnson, Rubell. That's not including, I would assume, that this is the last year for Jaron Thompson, Michael Taft, and Jalen Catalan. But if one of them or more of them were to come back for another year, I think that would be the more the merrier and best case scenario for Blake Gideon in that safety room. But I really like the outlook of 2024. Pretty much every player I've mentioned was a blue chip safety out of high school. And that's a position that's going to be really important for you going into the SEC. And then the third commitment, the one that we probably were least expecting, we had a feeling that Parker Livingstone and. Jordan johnson Rubel would announce to Texas on Saturday. But Alex January, D-tackle out of Duncanville, Texas, also made his pledge to play at the University of Texas on Saturday. He is a legacy. His dad played linebacker at Texas in the 80s. He's also teammates with Colin Simmons. So you're trying to get that Jared Gibson and Jordan johnson (laughs) Rubel connection and also that Alex January and Colin Simmons connection, right? And he helped anchor a state championship D-line next to Colin Simmons at Uh, Duncanville. And when you look at the 2024 outlook of the D-tackle position, this was huge. Still think Bo Davis has some more work to do on players like Dominic McClendon um, there's another brother out of Florida. I can't remember his name right now, but Texas is trending towards him. Uh, but we need to bring some beef into that interior defensive line room because you know, we're possibly losing uh Tavondre Swift, Byron Murphy, and Alfred Collins after losing Keandre Coburn and Moro Ojomo last year, right? So you have Sadir Mitchell, Trill Carter, Aaron Bryant, Vernon Broughton, and Alex January right now, possibly Jare Bledsoe as a tweener. Next year, and you likely would look into the transfer portal and see if you can bring in some reinforcements that way. So, three commitments on Saturday, possibly one today in Jordan, Washington, the tight end out of the Houston area. You're still waiting on those high four stars and five star players to commit to really. You know, jump this class to the top of the rankings, but like I said, Texas has a lot of momentum on the trail right now, as evidenced by the three commitments on Saturday, the one possible commitment today, and the run they could possibly go on in July. A quick word from our sponsors, and then I'm gonna tell you why Josh Spate made the argument that Xavier Worthy could win the Heisman, but I don't see that happening this season. Take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's $200 you can spend betting everything from the money line to the over under to who you think is going to hit the first home run all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus when you win, you can get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on FanDuel, the official partner of Major League Baseball. I'm going to say this really quickly. Shout out to the Astros. They took care of business, taking three out of, four against my rangers this weekend in arlington we are still up three games in the division you know y'all still gotta catch us but did a really good job this weekend i'm not a hater so i'll shout out the astros on the podcast while still saying that the rangers are three games up in the division the division still goes through arlington at this point All right, so Josh Pate, one of the best in the business, one of the most respected voices in the business, has a really good show. And the other day, he mentioned that he was putting some money on Xavier Worthy to win the Heisman. Now, he's not predicting Xavier Worthy to win the Heisman by any means, but he was just laying out the argument that Xavier Worthy could win the Heisman. And I see why people would make that comparison, because obviously, Sark was in charge of that 2020 Alabama offense. And so, You know, with Xavier Worthy being a little bit smaller in stature than you would normally see from a number one receiver, Devontae Smith being smaller in stature than you would normally see from a number one receiver, with the same offensive mind calling the 2023 Texas offense and the 2020 Alabama offense, it would make sense that Xavier Worthy could be the comparison to Devontae Smith. But I still think that although I understand the comparison, it's somewhat of a lazy comparison because I don't really think that Xavier Worthy and Devontae Smith play alike at all, (laughs) right? I just think they both happen to be small receivers that are the best receivers on their team currently. And there's a lot of people that would tell you they think that A.D. Mitchell might even be better than Xavier Worthy, and that will show this year, right? So Xavier Worthy could win the Heisman. I guess any player in the country could win the Heisman. Jalen Ford could win the Heisman, right, if he were to have... That crazy of a year. I just don't think it's likely that Xavier Worthy does win it this year. And I think if anybody were to win it from the Texas Longhorns, it would be Quinn Ewers. So I'm gonna go through the reasons why I don't think that Xavier Worthy will win the Heisman this year. And this isn't the hardest argument I've ever had to make, but you know, I think when Josh Pate says something, people listen. And so I think that you know he's not the only one that has made the comparison between 2020 Alabama and 2023 Texas. But like I said, I think it's more of a lazy comparison than one that has a lot of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Validity to it, right? So the first reason why Xavier Worthy likely won't win the Heisman this year, and to clear this up for any Texas fans, I think Xavier Worthy is going to absolutely ball this year, right? So me saying he won't win the Heisman does not mean he's going to have a bad year, right? First reason he won't win the Heisman is because Texas won't go undefeated, right? We know that going undefeated is a big part of or winning the Heisman, a big part of that is team success. That's the way I wanted to put that, right? We saw this year, Max Duggan didn't have one of the three best years in college football statistically, but his team went undefeated in the regular season and he was the face of it. So he was in New York at the end of the day with a chance to win the Heisman, right? For Texas to have not only a Heisman candidate or a Heisman winner, they're either gonna have to go 11 and one in the regular season or go undefeated. And in both cases, probably win the Big 12 championship. And I just don't see that happening this year. I do think they win the Big 12 championship, but I don't think they go undefeated or go 11-1 in the regular season. Of course, Alabama went undefeated. That was the biggest reason they had a Heisman winner. I think Texas would have to achieve that level of team success to have one. I don't think they will. I think 10-2 and 2 is the ceiling in the regular season for this Texas football team. Barring voter fatigue, I think Caleb Williams wins it again, right? When you put up a season of 4,919 total yards and 52 touchdowns last year. And in his third year now under Lincoln Riley, there's a chance he can be better and USC can have more team success than they had last year. Plus he'll have all of the hype coming from the NFL and college football. He's already being compared to Patrick Mahomes. He's already the consensus number one pick in the NFL draft. That'll take place almost a year from now. So all year you're just going to get crazy ESPN, Fox, nfl ncaa hype regarding uh kayla williams you're gonna get that usc hype that people have been reaching for since you know the uh pete carroll era it's just gonna be a lot of kayla williams right front page kayla williams First story, Caleb Williams. Everything's going to be about Caleb Williams, and that's going to propel him to probably win in another Heisman. Plus, I think he'll just ball out again like he did last year. Quinn Ewers won't have the year that Mac Jones had in 2020. And that's no disrespect to Quinn Ewers. I think Quinn Ewers is going to be absolutely amazing this year, but Mac Jones was amazing in 2020, like one of the best collegiate seasons we've ever seen from a quarterback, and it doesn't get talked about enough, right? Najee Harris was amazing, had 30 touchdowns that year. doesn't get talked about enough because we only talk about Devontae Smith. It's like whoever gets the hardware gets immortalized and everybody else gets forgotten about, right? Mac Jones went crazy that year, 4,500 yards, 41 touchdowns, only four interceptions on 77% completion percentage. I think Quinn Ewers will be amazing this year. But I don't think Quinn Ewers will make the jump to be as good as Mac Jones was in 2020. And I think for Xavier Worthy to win the Heisman, you would need a quarterback to be as good as Mac Jones was in 2020 or better. No disrespect to Quinn Ewers. I think he's going to be absolutely amazing this year. I think he solidifies himself as a top either first round or second round draft pick this year after this season. But I don't think he has the season that Mac Jones had in 2020, which likely will mean that Xavier Worthy won't have the season that Devontae Smith had in 2020. Alabama's offensive line that year had two first round picks and a very high second round pick in Evan Neal, a top 10 draft pick, Alex Leatherwood, a top 20 draft pick and Landon Dickerson was the 37th overall pick. When you're looking at this offensive line right now, the only player that's projected to start that I can say comfortably will be a top first or second round draft pick, and I think he'll be a top 10 pick, is Kelvin Banks, right? So that 2020 Alabama offensive line was better than what Texas is rolling into the season with. Xavier Worthy won't have Devontae Smith's season. Now, I think that Xavier Worthy will be great, but I just don't think he's as good as Devontae Smith, period, right? I don't think they play the same. When you look at Devontae Smith, yes, he's small in stature, but he plays like a number one receiver. Right. He can go up and get the ball. He can win contested catches. He plays a lot bigger than his size. I've never heard anybody accuse Xavier Worthy of playing bigger than his size. Right. And still to this point coming into the season, we think that I shouldn't say we I think he has questionable hands at time and questionable ball tracking skills. Also, sometimes on deep balls, there's questionable effort if the ball's not coming right to him. That does not describe Devontae Smith at all, right? Devontae Smith is an absolute dog at receiver. And I think if they didn't have A.J. Brown, he would be a legit number one for Jalen Hurts. That season, he had 117 catches, 1,800 yards, and 23 touchdowns. I just don't see Xavier Worthy reaching those numbers this year. One, because I don't think he's as good as Devontae Smith. And that's no disrespect. I think Worthy will ball out this year. I think he will get drafted in the first two rounds. But also, Texas has more weapons to spread the ball, to. When you look at that season, Jalen Waddle got hurt. And that's a big reason why Devontae Smith was featured the way that he was. But outside of that, it was John Mechie, Najee Harris and Jaleel Benlyson, Right? Texas has more weapons to spread the ball to than they had in 2020. And that's part of the reason that Devontae Smith was so dominant. So, look, I think that Quinn Ewers will have an amazing year. I think Sark will be on as a play caller this year. I think that uh, Xavier Worthy will go absolutely crazy this year, have his first 1,000-yard season. I think he'll have 15-plus touchdowns. I think Texas will have team success, Will ten, will win 10 games, and will be in the Big 12 championship game and ultimately win it. But I think you have to have a special legendary type season for a wide receiver like Xavier worthy to win the Heisman. And I just don't see that happening this year, even though I think Texas will be really explosive on offense. A quick word from our sponsors, and I'm going to read you some of the best responses to Josh Pate. What are your honest thoughts on Steve Sarkeesian thread? So earlier this year on an episode of Locked on Longhorns, I said that this is a make or break year for Steve Sarkeesian. And a lot of people said, well, how could this be a make or break year for Steve Sarkeesian if he's not on the hot seat? And that's a fair point, right? Because I don't think that Steve Sarkeesian can do anything to get fired this year. Now, maybe if he goes four and eight or five and seven, then you have to take a long look at it. But I think him bringing in Arch Manning, Steve Sarkeesian and Arch Manning's relationship would at least buy him one more year. Right, regardless of what happens, but I'm knocking on wood that we don't even have to have a conversation about us going four and eight or five and seven. But I do think it's a make or break year for Steve Sarkeesian because I think that he is one of the few people in this business that have been around as long as Steve Sarkeesian have been, and the jury is still out on them. Like by this time, usually we would have put a label on somebody and we would have stuck to it, right? But I think most people would acknowledge that Steve Sarkisian is a great offensive coordinator, one of the best offensive minds in college football. I think most people would acknowledge that Steve Sarkisian is a very likable person. And even though he's coached at USC, Alabama, and Texas, three of the most hated schools in the country, I think if he were anywhere else, people would root for him to win. You know, it's kind of like Dak Prescott being the Cowboys quarterback. There's really nothing bad to say about Dak, but he's the Cowboys quarterback, so we have to find bad things to say about him. But he's a great person. I think Steve Sarkisian, most people like him. And I think most people acknowledge that although he has not won on the field yet, he is an excellent recruiter. And if given time, you know, based on his previous situations, he can get over that hump and win at a high level. Right. But he's also yet to do it. So I think most people are just kind of in the middle. Right. We know he's great offensively. We know he's a great recruiter, has not won on the field yet. But I don't think there's too many people saying he will never win at a high level on the field. Right. Of course, there's some people saying that. But I think most people are in the middle. And that's why I think this is a make or break year, because he said it himself, like year three, this feels like his team. And everybody looking at the current situation that Texas is in way more talented than their counterparts in the Big 12 in their last year in this conference. It feels like there's no reason why Texas should not win their first Big 12 championship since 2009. So I think after this season, if. Steve Sarkeesian does meet or exceed expectations this year, then we will all say he's a great offensive mind, he's an excellent recruiter, and he's shown that he can win at the highest level at a school like the University of Texas. If he does not reach expectations this year with this roster, we will say he's a great offensive mind, he's been able to recruit really well, but for some reason he can't get over the hump. For some reason he still is chasing that 10 wins in the regular season type of season or just 10 wins period type of season for Steve Sarkeesian. That's why it's make or break, because this is the year of grace for Sark, right? If he does not win this year, then everybody who was on that he could do it one day will lose confidence. And everybody who was saying he won't be able to do it will say, I told you so. And there won't be a a ton of faith or confidence towards the contrary, where it's like, just give him more time, right? At this point, if he can't do it this year, when will he be able to do, it? right? So, Josh Pate, once again, put a thread out on Twitter and said, what is your opinion of Steve Sarkeesian?" And I went through thousands of responses so you wouldn't have to just to read some of the best ones. And pretty much everybody is saying what I've said thus far. Right. There's people that are in the middle. There's people on one side of the spectrum and there's people on other sides of the spectrum. But the majority of people are taking 2023 as a wait and see year for Sark. And they're going to base their opinion on him based on what he's able to do with probably the best situation he's ever been in this year as a head coach. So I'm going to read, I think either six or seven of my favorite responses to Josh Pate's question, which is what if, what is your opinion of Steve Sarkeesian, right? Elite offensive coordinator, great recruiter, still yet to prove that he can win as a head coach. I was also of the opinion that Texas never should have hired him as head coach to begin with. That's a fair assessment. I've heard Texas fans say that I think he'll prove you wrong this year. Greatest first-half coach in the history of college football. I can't deny that, right? I wonder what people were thinking when we were up 28-7 on Oklahoma in the Red River shootout. Like, I wish I could just go back to that time and ask everybody, what are your thoughts on Steve Sarkeesian right now? Because I promise you people would have thought we were back at that point. Top two quarterback developer, elite recruiter, genius offensive mind, has not fully clicked with on-field results yet. Like Grandma says, it's a have-not, can not a cannot. I think that's perfect, right? It's a have not like he hasn't won yet, but it's not a cannot. I absolutely think he can. Elite recruiter, solid program builder and might be a top offensive mind in the sport. Still lots to prove as a head coach, but we should come to the final conclusion on this sooner than later. That's all I'm saying. Right. Like this year, we will know if he's elite recruiter and an elite offensive mind or if he's a really good head coach. Right. Right now, it's one or the other. right? Hopefully he can put them all together. Elite offensive scheme, play designer, elite recruiter needs to prove he can coach his squad to the promised land, must be better at adjusting in the second half when the defense figures out how to resist his game plan, has everything needed to break through in 2023. No excuses. I completely agree with all of that. His past haunts him, talking about, you know, what happened at USC. But I think he's done a lot to be a better man and coach. I think he escapes his streak of no 10 win season soon. Can recruit his ass off one of the best offensive minds in the game and learned a lot about running a program from Sabin. This is coming from an Oklahoma fan. Like Shadi Lowe said, rest in peace. Dano. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Locked On Longhorns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hook 'em. P.